get stuffed. Hello and welcome back to Double Stuff Cinema. This is episode number 87. I'm Tyler. I'm Neil. I'm Shrey. And I'm Andrew. And we're here today for our uh, third annual Most Stuff Awards. Uh, We've done this two times in the past. Uh, You should probably know the deal, but we're kind of mixing things up this year. We got some presenters to help us uh, present nominees and uh, get us started with some awards. So I think... uh, Without further ado, let's just jump right in and pass it on to our first presenter. The best animated films tell stories that can reach audiences of all ages, telling universal stories in ways that entertain and draw out our strongest emotions when we least expect it. This year's nominees are no different, telling stories about finding your own identity in a world that may do everything to prevent you from doing just that. Here are the nominees for Best Animated Feature Film. Encanto, directed by Byron Howard and Jared Bush. Luca, directed by Enrico Casarosa. And The Mitchells vs. The Machines, directed by Michael Rionda. Well, Trey, you saw all three films. I think uh, you're the only one of us that actually watched Luca. Yeah. I mean, so Luca was, out of the three, Luca was my second place one. I think I liked it a bit more than Encanto. I think it was, like, nice. It's, like, not amazing Pixar, not bad Pixar, you know? I think Encanto was kind of a bit overrated, in my opinion. I think it was still good, but I think, like, the Coco comparisons were unfounded, you know, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. But I think the Mitchells versus the Machines was truly like an innovative animated movie you know it it's got all this very unique style i think the story hit a lot more emotionally because it's like it feels fresh and new coming from different voices you know and it is also like the spider-verse producer so you got their whole style in there too which is fun yeah i'd say the mitchells versus the machines gave me very much like lego movie vibes kind of (laughs) uh i guess like similar kind of humor and things, which I really liked. I kind of agree. I think Encanto was a bit overrated, mostly just because I I guess like a lot of the music, nothing really stood out to me. Like I did. Yeah. I, I think know. what really annoyed me about Encanto is like everyone's like, oh my God, the music is so catchy. But then I think the music is what I liked the least about Encanto because like it felt very, like it didn't have, the Lin-Manuel Miranda like style of singing necessarily mm-hmm. but then it also felt like overly Broadway for a for a Disney movie you know with all the overlapping singing and everything which is cool when it's done on Broadway but then when it's done in this Disney movie it just didn't feel like it fit. Mm-hmm. Okay, you know what let me tell you why Encanto is the best animated oh, movie. <laughs> okay I mean first of all you got the singing it's about a family in Colombia, which is where Sofia Vergara's from. So this is like really important to like <laughs> modern family fans. Okay. <laughs> on top of that, on top of that, this is the only animated film on the list that I've seen this year. That's why I get the top vote. And the last fact I'll say is that 
It was the highest grossing movie of 2021 before it was surpassed by the next best animated film of the year, which is Sing 2. I just want to throw that out there. Sing 2. Are you saying Neo highest really grossing animated two. film? Huh? Are you saying highest grossing animated film of the year? Yeah, of the year. Okay, I thought you were saying highest grossing film, and I was like, Neil, we all know it's probably wrong. It's, it's probably there, too. It's probably there. <laughs> Wait, too. Sing 2 passed up in Canton? That and then the movie with the three dudes and the red spandex. I forgot what it's called. <laughs> I don't know what that is either. Yeah. Tyler, what about you? What do you think of this character? Yeah, um, I think I'm definitely more in line with uh, with Shrey and Andrew. Although I think it's, <laughs> it's relatively close. Uh, I think that um, like like someone made a great comparison to the Lego Movie, which is like one of my favorite movies of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, and shout out to uh, Phil Lord, Mr. Phil Lord, for producing this one. Uh, I know that me and you have had our troubles in the past, but I think that you know you really came up with a good one here. Um, and yeah, that's, I, I think that uh, Mr. First Machines was was the best. Tyler, here's the question: Would you give it five stars? It's not a five star movie for me, um, which I know is probably you know it's gonna be mad. It's gonna stir up some memories, but. Uh, Tyler, I, I you gotta say it's five stars star to get movie. Phil on here. <laughs> hey, if it gets, suck it you know what? Like, if it if it gets Phil on here, it's a five star movie. Nice. I, I will gush about this movie if, if he gets on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so you might have heard our winner for this category is the Mitchells versus the Machines. Then we have it also in Canto and Luca. Um, but we're gonna move on to the next category. So here's our presenter. What makes for an impactful film? For some, it may be the story told on screen. For others, the technical advancements that inspire future generations. But for many, a film's impact can come from a singular moment with an instantly iconic line or a subtle performance that elevates the film more than we could ever measure. This year's nominees for Best Supporting Actor are responsible for many such moments, helping elevate already great films to transcendent heights. Here are the nominees for Best Supporting Actor. Alex Wolf. Pig, Ben Affleck, The Last Duel, Jared Leto, House of Gucci, Jason Momoa, Dune, and Cody Smith-McPhee, The Power of the Dog. All right, so yeah, I think there were a lot of great performances in this category. Um, it was kind of tough for me to pick between my top, I think my top three were all pretty close to being first place you know but uh in the end i settled on alex wolf in pig as a mirror for me because i think he's maybe the most important important supporting actor in that uh category and i think a lot of what he does is very subtle um and it's a very slow change over the course of the movie and his character and i think he pulls it off really well and it's also very understated performance which is really cool and then, yeah, uh, Ben Affleck was my second place, but like, I think it's just because he's kind of loopy in the last duel, you know? <laughs> Tyler Tyler also saw it. I think he is just goofy as hell, and I think that's fun in a different way from Jared Leto in House of Gucci. Jared Leto in House of Gucci is just, he's, he's a fucking caricature. And while that's like fun, I don't think it is, you know, the best performance. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I, I had Jared Leto towards the bottom because I had to put him on there. 
But for me, Alex Wolf and Jason Wall were actually a lot closer um, than like I guess you would expect. I kind I really like Jason Momoa because he reminded me of like, uh, well, I guess the whole movie is very Game of Thrones vibey, but he was like the most Game of Thrones like yeah. like character, and I guess that's why I liked him a lot. He just, he was just like a total badass, like mentor kind of person. Um, but I think like what Trey said, Alex Wolf had like a lot more uh, responsibility, I guess, in his movie and his a lot of them more of the movie depended on his performance than did Doom. So that's why I put him at the top. Yeah, Neil, that's a great point. I think that um, Jason Momoa like brings a lot of heart uh, to a character that's, that's written kind of dry. Like I remember uh, Duncan Idaho in the books doesn't have that like comedic side to him. And he also doesn't have the, um, the mentorship side that we see a lot come out in the, in the movie. Like it's very believable. Yeah. Um, that he is kind of like a father figure. But I, I definitely agree that Alex Wolf knocked out of the park. I think that he brings a lot more to the table, like you were saying, Neil. I do want to give a shout out, though, to uh, Cody Smith McPhee. I think mm-hmm. that, um, you know, he did a great job in that very difficult role, honestly, kind of alongside uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. Um, and definitely deserves a shout out for that. Uh, yeah. And then Ben Affleck, I think, is 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 fine. He he didn't have a bad performance or anything, but compared to the other three, um, was definitely the least impactful uh, and important to me. I think the thing that sealed it for Ben Affleck for me was like being able to give that performance with that terrible haircut and wig and that <laughs> just god awful blonde dyed mustache and beard was so funny. You know, sure. Yeah, I think the last duel I had crazy high expectations um yeah. not only just for the entire movie but for like each individual actor and actress and mm-hmm. um it didn't quite hit that mark whereas with a few of the other movies i, I had lower expectations and it far surpassed those yeah i think ben affleck is kind of the only actor in that movie that i would say surpassed my expectations that's fair yeah, yeah. all right all right, so the winner of the best supporting actor is going to be Alex Wolf. Um, Let's go <laughs> uh, by a pretty big margin, too. Honestly, I yeah, think he was uh, by about four over uh, over Cody. So, and introducing our next presenter for best cinematography. A single striking image can be all that it takes for a film to be seared into the minds and imaginations of moviegoers. And this next set of nominees is responsible for creating hundreds of them to capture visually stunning worlds for us to get lost in for hours on end. Working creatively with light, these artists create the visual language of the films we've enjoyed over the past year, each employing their own unique styles to take us to different places, whether it be the planets of a distant future or the lively cities of our not so distant past. Here are the nominees for best cinematography. Andrew Dros Palermo, The Green Knight. Bruno Del Bonnell, The Tragedy of Macbeth. Claire Mathone, Spencer. Grieg Fraser, Dune. And Janusz Kaminski, West Side Story. Uh, I thought that The Green Knight um, showed a lot of promise in its cinematography, but personally for me, I thought Dune was like, top notch and I thought it separated it personally I thought that it separated itself from like 
the rest of the movies because just like the sound effects that it used. Um, and I think a little bit that it that helped yeah. with Dune was the environment. Oh yeah. Neil, you're not talking about cinematography then. You're talking about sound design. Oh my gosh. Well, <laughs> he just well, said no, environment no, though. He said sound, environment. No, no, not the sound. <laughs> I, I'm saying I'm saying the sound contributed to the environment. Like the desolate desert kind of yeah. thing. The whole yeah. like I don't know how to explain it, I guess. Like in technical terms, but I, I just like no, I just like the silence <laughs> that came with the desert. That's what I'm saying. Neil, that's sound design, so okay well <laughs> no 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 i i, I know what you're I, I get what you're saying yeah yeah um yeah, I, see, I, I also agree over there on this one um which and i think i think he what he's bringing up that he's talking about is there's a few scenes where um it the the visuals are so striking and so beautiful um yeah. and you combine that yeah, with the music you know you couple that with some of the score and the soundtrack yeah. and it, it just it creates this like amazing reaction right and in yeah, theaters definitely. it's totally different too because I, I saw um That's green knight true. and dune in theaters both of them are great both of them this was a toss-up to me honestly these two are so close um in terms of cinematography i think i gave the slight edge to dune though like just just barely um yeah. because there were a few scenes in dune where i was just sitting there kind of in awe um at the, i think the one scene that comes to mind is when the crawler is being like swallowed up um oh. in the sand and it's that shot of, um, I think it's, uh, who is it? It's Paul for sure. And I can't remember who's holding him, but they're Paul on the- they're on Gurney. The, it's Gurney, right, thank you. Yeah. They're on the they're on the thopter. And it's like, it. the camera's like behind the thopter as they're kind of in perspective. But in the background, you see the, the entire um, desert just kind of flowing and swallowing up the uh, entire crawler. And that is really impressive. And it's just a great example of, of that movie, but obviously Green Knight had um, its fair share of, of striking visuals as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I think Andrew and I were in the Green Knight over Dune camp. Um, personally, for me, I think it's because the Green Knight, honestly, like every single frame is just gorgeous. You know, it's filled with so much color and like life, and it feels kind of like a painting, honestly which is really cool. I think in particular, um, some of the shots are like uh, Gawain uh, reaching the green chapel for the first time. And you have that shot of him at the end, uh, which is really sick. I think the shot where he's like kind of sitting still in front of the green knight waiting for him to wake is really cool. All the shots of him riding throughout, um, you know, Camelot, I guess is what you call it, is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah I don't, I don't want anyone to get the wrong impression here. I yeah. did not like The Green Knight very much, but I did <laughs> rate it number one for cinematography because I think it it had like, I mean, you guys all said it. It was pretty beautiful, but I got really bored watching it, to be honest. That's a different, that's not part of this, but. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, for this category, like it, it felt kind of it felt like a lot but also like what the movie needed yeah dune, there was a lot of get me wrong dune looks great i think dune is shot amazing because you know movie shot in the desert can also look like shit but like dune looks great um i do want to give some special shout outs though i think west side story is yep. it looks fantastic um in another year that might have won it for me i think 
you know, some of the shots, uh, uh, the opening sequence, you know, with the jets, I believe, dancing around town is pretty cool. Um, oh, the, the camera work is incredible where it like, yeah. follows them, yeah, through the city. I think that shot at the rumble where both gangs are walking up on each other is just so, so good. That, that is the salt shed. Yeah, I think that's one of the best shots of the year. And then um, Spencer was my third. Spencer, I think, um, captures something really cool that uh, is really common in a lot of, um, what's his name? Uh, Pablo Lorraine movies, uh, like Jackie, where it captures like this kind of dreamlike state, sort of, where everything feels kind of hazy and misty. And that's really cool for the, you know, the whole tone of the story. And I think that just yeah. looks perfect. Yeah. Historical context for sure. Yeah. 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 You know what's interesting about West Side Story? The center, I think the I think I was reading that the guy who the well, the guy who ran the cinematography for West Side Story did like most of the Spielberg movies anyway. Janusz Kaminski. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's his name. And so like it's interesting when you try to compare like the scenery, I guess, of this movie to other mm -hmm. Spielberg movies, but you can kind of see similarities in terms of like the the like extremeness and either light lightness oh, or yeah. darkness, you know. The he definitely goes full maximalist with lights. Like he got he's got lens flares and everything. Like it's not really interested in being necessarily real, but as big as possible, which I think yeah. works for a story like West Side Story. Um yeah. And so the winner for best cinematography was the Green Knight. So congrats to the Green Knight. And we'll be moving on to our next category. So introducing our next presenter. This next set of nominees used their limited screen time to add depth and complexity to what could otherwise be forgotten roles, instead elevating them with skillful, dexterous performances that leave an impact long after their film's credits have rolled and resonated with audiences around the globe from all sorts of backgrounds. Here are the nominees for Best Supporting Actress. Alicia Vikander, The Green Knight. Ariana DeBose, West Side Story. Francis McDormand, The Tragedy of Macbeth. Kirsten Dunst, The Power of the Dog. And Rebecca Ferguson, Dune. Well, again, lots of just amazing performances, I think, in this category. But I think there's one that we're all kind of united behind in like being the best. And that is uh, Ariana DeBose in West Side Story as uh, Anita. I think she has, um, you know, I think it's not necessarily the biggest role, but she goes through like some of the biggest range of emotions throughout the entire course of the movie. Like, and she plays them all so well, I think. Plus with all the singing and dancing she has to do, it's just kind of incredible. Yeah, I, I agree. She was displaying lots of different emotions kind of throughout the whole movie. Um, mm -hmm. I also feel like she played a fairly big role um, for supporting actors. Maybe yeah. not like impacting the plot, but she was in the movie a lot and kind of interacting with a lot of different characters. Um, I mean, I think her role is what um, won a Best Supporting Actress Oscar back with the original. And I believe she's like the front runner for this year as well, which is well-deserved. Okay. Yeah, that'd be cool. And I, I didn't realize it, but... Uh, What's her name? Rita Moreno. The, yeah, yeah. She was like the original. Yeah. Um, 
So that was really cool too. Yeah. Yeah, you know, for someone that uh, turned down the role, I think initially, right? Or turned down even the audition. Uh, she really came in and killed it. Yeah. Tyler? Yeah, um, I had the same, pretty much I think the same vote as, as all three, or at least three of you guys. Um, yeah. I think that uh, watching West Side Story, she was um, definitely, I, can't, I don't want to say my favorite character, but one of my two favorite characters for sure. We'll get yeah. to the other one later. Um, yeah. Absolutely steals every scene she's in. Um, and all of her interactions with like, some of the other characters are just fantastic. Um, so I think that she's definitely deserves the top spot. Um, yeah. Some of the other really notable performances, I think in this category, uh, Kirsten Dunst in Power of the Dog, I think is really, really good. Cause I think that could be reduced to like a pretty low role or like an uninteresting performance. And I think what she does is really good. It's a good, you know, you see that kind of descent into madness for her through um you know all the interactions with benedict cumberbatch in that scene and i think in particular i love the uh the kind of playoff scene that they have uh midway through sort of where she's on the piano and he's on the banjo oh yeah and you can just feel her frustration you know and her it's like he's kind of terrifying but he's also just playing the banjo you know yeah i know and i can feel that in her performance I was watching that scene with my mom and she was like, oh, they're trying to do like a, a playoff of each other. And I was like, no, he's just making her feel bad. Yeah. yeah. And then my uh, my next uh, highest one was uh, Alicia Vikander in The Green Knight. And I gave that to her because she had, you know, two roles. They're very, they're drastically different roles, I think, but also like very important to the character. And I think she did well in both, especially as, um, you know, the lady of the castle that he ends up spending the night in. Yeah. yeah yeah um we might talk about that part later super surreal and it's just like yeah. a very like kind of like, there's a few moments where you're like whoa you know like the, mm -hmm. the movie like really went there and it really like hit that point but i think um yeah to be able to pull that scene off to make it realistic is very impressive yeah well yeah i think uh with all that we can announce a winner uh obviously ariana debose as anita in west side story is our best supporting actress winner so congratulations to her and on to our next category, next presenter. What are movies without music? Before movies even had spoken words, they had music. Great music moves us as an audience, working hand in hand with the visuals on screen to dictate the emotions we should be feeling as we follow our character stories. The emotional through line provided by each film's unique score is what makes moments even more impactful when we revisit them. With musical cues instantly identifiable to hint at danger, romance, or more excitement ahead. Here are the nominees for Best Original Score. Daniel Hart, The Green Knight. Hans Zimmer, Dune. Johnny Greenwood, Spencer. Johnny Greenwood, The Power of the Dog. And Michael Giacchino, Spider-Man, No Way Home. I think there's some good scores this year. I don't know if all of them really blew me away, but Dune was definitely fantastic. I think you all pretty much agree that it was up there. Yeah, I think this was a really <laughs> strong year for original score. I think a lot of them were really cool. Um, my top two personally were The Green Knight and Spencer and then Dune, but um, I think The Green Knight um, 
again, it really immerses you in that world. I think the vocal tracks are great, um, kind of helping settle in some of that unease, but also like steep you in that fantasy setting. And then Spencer, I think that all that jazz kind of mixed in there is really, really cool. I think I love that maybe the most. I think as a whole, I love the Green Knight score more, but I think Spencer is really, really good. And then obviously Dune, Hans Zimmer is doing some of his best work in my opinion. I love that. Yeah, yeah I mean, Oh, sorry, go ahead, Andrew. I was just gonna say, we mentioned this before, but Dune kind of fits very well into the environment and just kind of works together to create mm -hmm. a whole uh, kind of ambience that really fits what's going on in the movie, so. Yeah. I was gonna say that, yeah, Dune is, um, is great at setting up the story and the arc of the characters. Um, at the very beginning, there's a lot of like very mysterious tones, uh, which really contribute to the plotting and the scheming that's going on in the story. Um, and then once they actually get to Arrakis, some of the um, uh, sounds are a lot more like grand and triumphant. And there's this sense of like, oh my gosh, like they're on this new world. They're like trying to uh, survive here, but it's also just breathtaking. And there's a lot of like beauty in that. And so I think that, yeah, Hans Zimmer, just kills it with this one it was by far the most impactful this score um to me just because it stuck with me for so long um yeah. i think, I think that, um, that moment um, with the bagpipes is awesome <laughs> you know yeah it's like yeah, you the hear bagpipes bagpipes, are you're like where, where the fuck are the bagpipes coming from in this movie and then like you see there's literally a dude playing bagpipes on screen <laughs> it's like yes yes i can yeah. get behind this also, the part where they're on the the Sardaukar planet, and there's the dude mm -hmm. who's like the throat, throat singer. Singing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think I said that. <laughs> I said like, it was just like the dude, like yeah, doing this with his hands. And mm -hmm. yeah, I, I don't even know if that counts as like the score, but it definitely it, contributes it to the to great the music. Musical moments. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, in terms of other uh, movies in this category, I think there were a lot of great ones. Uh, Green Knight, like obviously, as Trey was saying, very, very um, kind of mystical, um, a lot of adventure that kind of interwoven into that. And then Power of the Dog is, is solid. And Spider-Way Home, or Spider-Man No Way Home, I think it's it's good, but it just didn't really stick with me. Like out of all the four yeah. I've seen, it was the one that, um, like I didn't really remember any big moments from. Um, and I think, I think that that the can The biggest be thing for it, the biggest thing you can say in support of it is I think the way that it mixes in the other themes from the past movies yeah. is really good. Yep. Other than that, not very memorable, but I think the way it mixes in themes is really, really good. Well, Neil has it as his number one. Yeah. I don't know what <laughs> yeah, see, yeah. so I mean I was I, I was just waiting. So I have <laughs> Spider-Man No Way Home at the top and then Green Knight and then Dude. So it may it makes it seem like I don't like Dude. I loved the score for dude and i think i talked about it before anyways but like Trey was saying green knight was a little bit better because it was like more uh fairy tale like more serious fairy tale like rather than just like you know like a disney fairy tale which i appreciated a lot the reason i put spider-man at the top is because i saw spider-man on the list and i went full stupid and i was like spider-man <laughs> That's that's literally it. But no, like like okay. you said, I do I do remember feeling like goosebumps every time I would hear the like the sound the songs from like the old movies. That I, I do think, remember that. So, I think the one piece of like throwback score in that movie that hit me the most was when Electro shows up and you have 
the the crazy oh. I am Electro coming in. Yeah, yeah. Because I also think that's just a hilarious piece of score from the original oh, release. Yeah. It's not particularly good, but I love that they brought it back and they're like, yeah, fuck it. And I yeah. think they had they had like the Sandman. Like not mm-hmm. the Sandman doesn't have a theme, but like they had like the same music going on for Sandman. Mm-hmm. They, yeah. Uh, which I love Sandman as a kid, so that's fine. Mm-hmm. That's why I put Spider Man at the top. It's it might not be a good reason, but that's why. <laughs> we okay. we appreciate your reasoning, Neil. Just being honest. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So our number one for this category was Dune. I do want to say, I don't know if we mentioned the power of the dog a lot, but I thought that also had a pretty good score. It was very, made you very uncomfortable, which I feel like a lot of the movie kind of did, or just like something is going to happen soon. But I mean, we didn't, we didn't even mention this, but we have uh, Johnny Greenwood did two of the scores on this list and they're both really, really good. So Spencer and power of the dog. Yeah. Um, We'll move on to the next category. So who's present? The men in this category have played many roles over the course of their careers. From legendary iconic ones, to smaller hidden gems in even more well-hidden movies. This year, they played kings, knights, recluses, cowboys, and dreamers. Each with a career-defining performance that showed why we've enjoyed watching them on the big screen so much over the years, and why we will continue to eagerly watch every new role they take on in the years to come. Here are the nominees for Best Actor. Andrew Garfield, Tick Tick Boom. Benedict Cumberbatch, The Power of the Dog. Denzel Washington, The Tragedy of Macbeth. Dev Patel, The Green Knight. And Nicolas Cage, Pig. Yeah, so for for Best Actor, um, there was a lot of great nominees here for sure. Um, I think that my my top pick though is probably separated by by the other uh, three by a pretty good margin here. I had Dev Patel in The Green Knight as my top pick. Um, for a role that doesn't have a ton of dialogue to it, um, it has it has a good amount, but it doesn't have as much as a lot of other movies. I think that Dev Patel is is excellent at kind of showing his emotions and and, and kind of like showing what he's going through. Um, in different ways throughout the movie. Um, and this was a role that is just like almost entirely on his shoulders. I think the, the movie, other characters move around and there are different pieces are around him, but uh, Dev Patel being kind of at the center of the narrative throughout the entire story, it's such a huge responsibility, um, such a huge role, and he absolutely kills it. Yeah, I mean, I really agree. Um, Dev Patel was my like clear best actor like of the year by miles when I saw the green knight and I was like nothing can top this and then I think like a month later I saw pig and I think all the things you can kind of say about um Dev Patel in the green knight you can also say about Nicolas Cage and pig but I think pig is Nicolas Cage's greatest performance I think like he utterly ruined me. That movie is just so incredible. And again, it's like a performance where he doesn't say much for a lot of the movie. You also don't know who he is, but it's kind of like you're uncovering who he is throughout the course of this movie. And I think he just has all these like quiet moments of reflection that reveal more about his character and that just kind of 
bring out every single emotional emotion possible. And I think, I think the restaurant scene um, for you guys that have seen it, uh, that you know what I'm talking about, where he like meets um, someone who you know used to work for him. I think that is maybe the best acting performance of the year in that scene. Like all three actors are doing great, but I think Nicolas Cage's speech in that moment is also just incredible. You know, I don't want to say too much for like people that haven't seen Pig already, but go and see Pig because I think Nicolas Cage is just absolutely fucking amazing in that movie. Yeah, I don't I don't have much to add on to what Trey said, but I 100% agree. Like I went from when when I think about Nicolas Cage, like I only think about uh fucking what's the movie National, National Treasure. Treasure. Yeah. Yeah. Like that that's the movie that defines Nicolas Cage for me just cuz it's so ridiculous. And then when Pig came out, I was like, okay, another ridiculous Nicolas Cage movie, but this could be the movie that defines Nicolas Cage for maybe the rest of my life. Like he, mm-hmm. I, like Shrey said, this is his best performance. He is like one of the few actors that can take a totally ridiculous plot and like make it feel not relatable, but just make it feel like comfortable and homey to like an audience watching. I mean, and it, I think, I think this is pretty relatable too. I think that's why a lot of it hits emotionally. Is like, you know, he's able yeah, to make it, that also feel. It's just funny because it's a pig. I mean, it, yeah. it's not funny because it, it's not realistic. It's just funny because yeah. he's looking for his pig, you know? Yeah. And, like, you wouldn't <laughs> think, like, I don't know. It, it, his performance is just... Yeah, you like, you definitely beyond. wouldn't expect that from, like, what the premise of this movie is and everything. And I think that's what's so great. Like, I think the one thing about Dev Patel's performance is you can expect this movie to rest on him and, like, that he should be great, you know? But I think yeah. also, like, for people that have consistently thought that Nicolas Cage isn't a good actor for years which they're just wrong about you know I think Pig is just a total surprise and that's why it really takes the cake for me you guys um think that this is Nick Cage's like best role of his entire yeah. career yeah easily yeah easily okay yeah yeah I think yeah I think the only other role that I know of that I would maybe rank like under it is Mandy but it's like it's Miles and I think Mandy is a great performance from him so it's like mm-hmm. yeah I haven't yeah. seen too many of his like non-terrible movies I guess yeah, yeah, <laughs> which, is, which is kind of on me I think adaptation like before this was like the yeah. best that I had seen him um which is I, I also think just a, like a very mature like role um mm-hmm. which is just always in contrast to how we usually associate him uh or kind of represent him but what about Ghost Rider? Yeah. What about what? What about Ghost Rider? Ghost Rider? Yeah, that's what I think of when I think of Nicholas Cage. Yeah, no, it's either like National Treasure or Ghost Rider. I definitely have seen National Treasure more times. Um, And I I see that was like the first role I remember him in, which is just so wacky. He's he's so so (laughs) fun in that movie. (laughs) We're going to steal the Declaration of Independence. (laughs) Yeah. And he pulls it off. Like, it's it's like a fun movie and it works really well, but... uh, Oh man, I don't know. Yeah, he he's like congrats to him. This is almost like the Adam Sandler thing where he's he's just so yeah. got like a great, like very mature role. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, this yeah. is not at all to take away from Dev Patel's performance, which I think is also fucking amazing. Like, like I said, before before Pig came out, it was by Miles Dev Patel. And now it's a very close margin of him and Nicolas Cage, you know. For sure. Yeah. 
Andrew, what about you? You have some thoughts on this category? I don't have a ton of thoughts. I only saw the Green Knight and Power of the Dog for this category. So Deb Patel and Benedict Cumberbatch. I thought Benedict did like a a pretty good job, but Deb Patel, as you said, was kind of carrying the whole movie. Um, yeah. Benedict also had a lot of it on his shoulders, but I don't know. It didn't come through as much. Yeah, I think his performance is, uh, you know, it's a slow burn to get through and I think it really helps on multiple rewatches um yeah I think he's the front runner or he's not the front runner he was the front runner for the Oscar I think he deserves it but he's not going to win it uh just to give a shout out to like the other nominees I think Denzel was really good in Tragedy of Macbeth I think he you know he shows why he's Denzel and you know why he's the acclaimed actor that he is and uh Andrew Garfield I think it's not his best role, but I think it's like good. And I'm glad he's getting recognized for being a great actor because he genuinely is. And I think he should be getting nominated for more stuff, just maybe other things. Yeah. All right. And so the winner for the best actor category is Dev Patel. Um, I think this is, this is pretty well deserved and yeah. it's pretty close between him and Nicolas Cage. And I, I honestly yeah. think that you could go either way with this. Yeah. Um, Any day you could go either way. They yeah. both are so good. Definitely. So uh, on to our next presenter for our next award. When a great talent is on the screen, we the audience see the character, not the performer. Whether that be a princess, a serial killer, a scheming social climber, a survivor of sexual assault, or just a young woman yearning to explore the world. This year's nominees brought these characters to life with stunning performances that demanded our full attention. Lest we blink and miss even a moment of the performance masterclasses. Here are the nominees for Best Actress. Agath Roussel, Teton. Jodie Comer, The Last Duel. Kristen Stewart, Spencer. Lady Gaga, House of Gucci. And Rachel Zegler, West Side Story. All right, so Best Actress, I would say, is a pretty tight race between the top two as well for me, I think. They're two really good performances and it's tough to decide on just one. Um, For me, I think Kristen Stewart in Spencer is a kind of similar story to uh, Nick Cage and Pig where it's like, you know, she's known for um, Twilight, which we, you you know, we have our opinions on. We did an episode on that a while ago. Um, I hate Twilight. So everyone like thinks that Twilight's terrible, which, you know, we're not going to relitigate that. We're going to just, you know, leave it in the past. But um, I think Kristen Stewart over like the past decade has been working through like she's been doing a lot of really interesting films with like really good filmmakers and directors to kind of distance herself from that. And I think to kind of prove that she is like this great actress who deserves recognition, I think. Spencer is kind of like the culmination of that because I think it's not really like a showy biopic you know where the actor is doing this really big performance like oh my god I'm playing this real person and I'm gonna do this crazy wild performance and I'm gonna have all these big major acting scenes you know it's it's pretty quiet and slow and understated and I think it's a good it's a really good embodiment of Princess Diana and pretty accurate from what I know. So yeah, I think she is my best actress pick. But uh 
Rachel Zegler in West Side Story as Maria, I think is also incredible. I think it's her first time in a movie and she's like a former theater kid. And I know with like, you know, theater people going to the big screen, sometimes that is not a very smooth transition, but I think she just absolutely knocked it out of the park, you know? Because I think sometimes yeah. you end up with like a performance like in Dear Evan Hansen, like with Ben Platt, where it's just it doesn't there. translate. Yeah. But I think she's just absolutely perfect in the role. Yeah. This choice was pretty easy for me. Uh yeah. Rachel was the only one in a movie that I saw. So she's number one. But I I do think she still deserves it. Um I was really impressed by her voice actually. Very good. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Big time. Her she it's awesome. Yeah, I I drew a lot of comparisons to her performance in West Side Story to Emma Stone's in La La Land, mm-hmm. which I think is why. Well, also because the only other are those the two musicals you've seen? Gucci. No, those aren't the only two musicals I've seen. But those are, I mean, those are two of like my favorites, I guess. Yeah. I mean, the original. Okay, we'll talk about the original <laughs> later. But so, yeah, Rachel Zegler, I liked a lot in the movie. Um, also, the only other movie I see on this list was House of Gucci. But Lady Gaga, dude, what was going on? Like, first of all, I I was saying this earlier, but she makes me so uncomfortable in every... I didn't think she was good in... uh, Shit, what's the name of the movie? One of the... Star Star is Born? Yeah, Star is Born. I didn't think she was good in that. She wasn't good in this one. And I just... I don't know. She just... She, like, gives me, like, heebie-jeebies, you know? (laughs) I think... I think... you feel like she's in a poker face? Yeah, See, no. Like, oh my gosh. <laughs> See, Lady Gaga was Andrew. my last. <laughs> Lady Gaga was my last ranked in this category, but I think her performance just deserves recognition for how absolutely Ooh. wild it is. Her think... accent, dude. <laughs> what was her accent? Dude, House of Gucci is maybe the most campy movie I think of the past like decade, and it's so ridiculous it's it's kind of amazing i think i also love her whole press tour when she was trying to get like uh, an oscar nomination for it where she's like talking about how she was like she's like i think i went insane playing patrizia uh and then she's like oh yeah Yeah, i I don't think i'm gonna be able to recover from this yeah she's like i i when we were filming in italy i was like scared that Patrizia, who was like out of prison, she was gonna come and find me and kill me as well. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'm like, relax. I'm like, okay, first of all, stick to music, Lady Gaga. Second of all, Ooh, she was like, no, no seriously, no, I don't, I don't, don't want to see. No, seriously. And no. then she was like, and then what happened? She's like, oh, I, I studied Patrizia Reggiani for like, for like months and months oh, before the, she, the movie. She I was like, no, wrote, you did it. She said she wrote an eighty-page book on Patrizia, like, yeah, and okay. all she researched on her. I, I think, but she did. Neil, I think Neil doesn't speak for any of us when he's saying that. I think all of us want to see Lady Gaga go full method for way more roles. I've I've heard her. She's being rumored to be it, uh, the female lead in the Joker sequel. Oh and my I would, god! Oh, <laughs> beautiful. <laughs> I, I, I would give. 
I would give Lady Gaga a negative, like a negative score if I could. But I had to give her a one because she's the only other movie I've seen. <laughs> Here, Neil, I'll fix it for you. I need to see her, you know, I need to see her go full method, maybe kill, you know, Joaquin, you know, in the movie. <laughs> like, what, Joaquin, the, the actor needs to die in the movie. Yeah. For... <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, by, straight, by female lead, do you mean like Harley Quinn or do you mean like someone well, else? Uh, it, it's I not thought. announced. It's not announced. Who. Oh it's just like a female lead, but like people are thinking like it's a female Joker, but that's off topic. We're here to talk about it's poison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll shit on that when that one comes out. <laughs> Oh, man. Gosh, I can't. I cannot wait now. Um, but yeah, uh, some of the other performances in this category, I think Jodie Comer in The Last Duel, um, while I think her performance was a bit underwhelming comparatively for me, I think, um, you know, I think she is the best performance in total in that movie. You know, even though I, I ranked like Ben Affleck pretty high, I think. It's just that he surpassed my expectations for that role. Um, and then uh, the other one is Agath Roussel in Titan, which I think that's a really fucked up movie and it's really hard to kind of carry that role. And I think she did a great job. There's a lot of stuff that is just so fucked about that role and she killed it, so. I was too yeah. scared to watch that movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I rewatched it the other day and it was, it was a bit tough getting through that, especially after I was not watching it on my laptop and instead on a big screen. It was pretty tough. But she killed it in that. Um, yeah, anyone have any more thoughts in this category? All right. All right, and with that, the winner for Best Actress is Rachel Zegler from West Side Story. So congrats to her. And we'll be moving on to our next category. So introducing our next presenter. If there is any one person whose work is clearly seen in every frame, it is the director, working with every member of the crew to orchestrate the bringing to life of their creative vision to tell us a story through their work of art. These nominees brought to life their own masterpieces this year. Their voice is coming through loud and clear in their work and showing us that if we can imagine it, we can bring it to life. Here are the nominees for Best Director. David Lowry, The Green Knight. Denis Villeneuve, Dune. Jane Campion, The Power of the Dog. Julia Ducournu, Titan. Ryusuke Hamaguchi, Drive My Car. And Steven Spielberg, West Side Story. Best Director, I think. This is another kind of stacked category. Again, I think um, my choice between my top three was a bit tough. Um, anyone else want to take this one first? Then we can kind of get into it. Yeah, yeah. I can start. Um, yeah, oh. go ahead, Neil. That's hilarious. Okay, yeah. So I had Dennis Villanueva at the top because all, all wrong. I just... Denis Villeneuve. Denis French, Villeneuve. Neil. Yeah. Well, Neil, Neil, do we, do I need to walk you through all the pronunciations on this one? No, no, I got this one. Denis Villeneuve, okay. Steven okay. Spielberg, Jane. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Jane Cam Campion. Yep. Yep. Nice. Okay. Ryu Ryusuke Hamaguchi. 
Hama Hausaguchi, Julia Ducournau. Yeah, these are some crazy names, dude. David Lowry. They're not that wild. Close enough. Yeah. Yeah, three of them are pretty good. (laughs) Anyways, I just hate foreigners. No, I love foreigners. (laughs) I just don't like. I just don't like Lady Gaga. That's it. Um, <laughs> I, I thought that Denis was the best director for Dune because, um, like every pretty much everything that we talked about, he handled like a huge star-studded cast, um, and not only relied on the actors and their like skills to make the movie amazing, but also his use of the environment, the cinematography, the sound, the score, um, everything that we've talked about about Dune is why. It makes it one of the best movies, which I think we'll get into later, but um, also why it made him one of the best directors, because I, I think of him more like a coach, I guess, just handling like all of the like star players on his team and still leading them to a championship. So that's why wow, I love it. That was a good analogy. Thank you. Thank you. Neil bringing in the sports. I, I think I kind of need, I need a little bit of clarification here. So yeah. for West Side Story, let how much control does the director have over things? Because there's like a choreographer that's freelance. Yeah. I mean, you know, the the director is kind of like the creative vision. So it's like they're kind of like the choreographer will create the choreography, but like the director is kind of giving them an idea of what they want for it, you know? So it's all it's all very much like their choices are kind of the final say you know it's like i want it to look like this i want this to happen i want you know because i think they need to revise this yeah all right well he's doing that tell you want to take it off with yours yeah this is a really tough category for me i've seen i think four of the six right now and i'm definitely planning on seeing um the other two at some point but um, yeah, this one this one was kind of a toss up. I feel like all four, for different reasons, could be first. Um, mm-hmm. Like I, I've seen The Green Knight, uh, West Side Story, um, Power of the Dog, and then Dune. And all four of those movies have such a unique vision um, and are all really incredible in their own right. Um, I do agree, though, that uh, Denis Villeneuve kind of handling a bunch of like really, really uh, big name, high profile actors and actresses in his movie um, and then combining that in a movie that, like, I think could have easily been bad. Like, it could have flopped if another director had been handed that that um, that assignment. And I think that he not only, like, met expectations with that, he was able to exceed that and create something uh, really visually impressive um, and have all those moving pieces fit together. That being said, though, I mean, West Side Story and Power of the Dog are both killer uh, and so is the Green Knight. And I, ranking these three was I, I almost just like what I was feeling at a, one particular moment. I could go back and forth on them for sure. But I do think Dune is, is the clear winner uh, right now for me. Yeah. Um, for me, uh, I actually had Steven Spielberg for West Side Story as my top pick. Um, just because I think, I think maybe other than Denis, he had the toughest uh, you know, task, and I could maybe argue tougher than Denise's task because while Dune is considered to be like the unadaptable book until you know Denise finally pulled this off, I think West Side Story is like one of, if not the most beloved 
movie musicals of all time. And definitely, I think think remaking it is like, how the fuck do you even like go about starting with that? And let alone like making it even good, it's like, how do you start to reimagine and remake West Side Story? And I think he kind of pulled off the impossible and did it better, you know? I think I'm in the camp that I think the new West Side Story is better than the original. And I think it's just really a credit to, you know, Spielberg as a director, like this is his first ever musical. It's been years, everybody's been wanting him to do it and he finally did it and he just knocked it out of the park. You know? Yeah. See, I, I, I did have Steven Spielberg near the bottom of my three, um, but like Shrey said, I will say, I think he had the highest expectations, but I don't think West Side Story was a harder movie to make than Dune. That's just, that's just where I'm at. Um, my second pick is David Lowry for Green Knight, which I think is different from everyone else's. But, you know, I really love that movie. And I think a lot of his creative choices really, uh, you know, pay off for me, which is why I love that. I think um, I think the deliberate slow pace and everything really helps set the mood. Um, I think I just think everything about it is really perfect. And I think David Lowry did a really good job at making like a hard a uh, hard to adapt fantasy story i think and then next obviously i have denis which i think what he did is just so incredible and i think some of us are starting to kind of forget that like how tough it is to make that kind of movie and we're kind of just starting to expect that from him you know because we had blade runner 2049 just a few years ago which i would say is the most similar thing to this and something on that scale is just really crazy to pull off. And I think he did it so well, you know? I think that's the, the most important word to say about Dune is scale, you know? That real sense of size and everything is just incredibly jaw-dropping. And I think he did that really well. Yes, one thing I will say about Dune is, I mean, at least for the first quarter, maybe first half of the movie, I was a little bit confused. I haven't read the book or anything, but there is kind of a lot of political stuff going on, it seemed like, that was not fully explained um, for a while. I don't know if all of it ever was. And I mean, that's something that is just really hard to do in a movie because you can't like take the time to explain everything that's going on uh, like you could in a book. Um, yeah, I do think... I, I, I think it was handled okay but i was still a little bit confused i would I, say i i would go a bit further in that i think it's incredible that he managed to pull that off because of how confusing dune is and i think coming out of dune most people weren't really confused you know I yeah think, i mean leaving the movie i wasn't confused yeah but kind of that first section i was like i have no idea what's going on and then later on it seemed like it didn't matter that much so maybe it's going to come back later on because it's just the first part maybe yeah. i would appreciate it more if i read the book also yeah. i think he definitely clarifies things a lot which is what's really hard to do with dune and so big credit to him for that but yeah, yeah i don't I think i haven't yeah. i haven't read the book uh, and Shrey or Tyler can correct me on this, but I think it was said that Dune only covered half of the book, right? Yep. And that's, yeah, that's that says a lot because I mean the movie itself is pretty long, and mm-hmm. like you know we've seen like 
uh, books try to go into movies like Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings, and it's really hard to get those details fully in that the real fans of the books really want to see in the movie. I don't but, know, man. Three movies from The Hobbit. They got a lot of details <laughs> from that. <laughs> they, they added a lot of details on yeah. that. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I think it's easy to go overboard in that situation too. Like a lot of times you complain about how there's just like not enough and you can't adapt everything. But I feel like with Dune, like um, putting everything in a movie, I'm glad that they included as much as they did. And they also didn't include too much that was unnecessary because it would have been confusing as hell. Like you would have had so many different little pieces working in the movie. Um, and I can see how kind of a super fan directing it would have, um, you know, maybe gone too far and made it kind of inaccessible. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think um, similar to West Side Story, it really helps to look at this compared to um, the original, in uh, which is the David Lynch version, which is right. just confusing as hell. And I think I took, I, I remember nothing of it, but I think Denise' choices with the new Dune really help, you know, it may make it accessible to everyone, which is what you really saw after the movie came out is like, everybody in the world is talking about it, which is something really hard to do with Dune because of how dense and tough the, the material is. Yeah, I think that should make it pretty clear that our winner for best director is uh, Denis Villeneuve for Dune. Uh, pretty close race between him and Steven Spielberg, but uh, you know, I think everyone in this category is definitely you know a great director, and their films were just awesome. So, yeah. And uh, that leads us into our final category of the day, uh, which is best picture. So uh, we don't have any fancy presenters for this one. Uh, we, I'm just going to read off the nominees and we'll kind of like talk about them, I think, a bit more in depth than we have any other category so far. Uh, but our nominees are, in order, uh, The Green Knight, Pig, Dune, Drive My Car, Titan, West Side Story, The Power of the Dog, Spider-Man, No Way Home, Spencer, and The Tragedy of Macbeth. So yeah, uh, who wants to kind of kick us off? Do we want to do this like maybe movie by movie, talk about them and then... We can do that. I I do want to explain a little bit on my my thoughts on The Green Knight, I guess. I know I said I didn't like it that much, but it's mostly just because I think it's like a beautifully made movie. I was just so extremely bored watching it. It it's too slow for me. It reminded me a lot of there are a couple scenes like I think when he's riding out on a horse to like start his journey. There's just like a minute or two scene where he's like riding a horse and there's no one talking and there's like these kids following him and I'm like I don't know what's going on. Like why are we watching this horse? And it reminded me a lot of, I know there's a lot of Tarantino fans that might disagree, but like in The Hateful Eight, there's this two minute scene of them like staking the snow. And it reminded me of that. I'm like, why do we need to see this? Like you're just extending the movie. And there are just things like that, that I don't know. It, I think it was too slow. So Andrew, I would agree that in The Hateful Eight, I had a huge problem with that, you know, stakes in the snow scene where it just feels very dragged out and long. My argument in favor of that in The Green Knight is, you know, 
it's allowing the story to take its time, but it's also like this movie is very heavily, you know, a POV thing, you know, like where you're supposed to be feeling Gawain's whole point of view this whole time, you know, whereas in the, uh, the hateful eight, it's a kind of ensemble piece. So it's like, um, there's all these different characters and there's not one singular POV that you're supposed to be feeling. I think with the green Knight, these long shots of like Gawain walking alone is really supposed to put you into his mindset. Like what the fuck do you do? Like how do you, it's, it's also allowing you to reflect on his whole journey. Like he, he has six days to kind of think about, am I going to get beheaded now? You know? And yeah, well, it's kind of allowing, I, I get it's allowing you to, to sit with that. I think. Like I, I kind of get there trying to get you to feel this like sense of dread with yeah. what's with what's coming, but it, I don't know. It just didn't do it for me. Maybe it was, like what was happening in the scenes was distracting mm-hmm. me. Like I wasn't thinking about what was going to happen. I was just like thinking about what's going on in the present. So mm-hmm. maybe that's kind of just a difference of how I think yeah. watching a movie, but it, I don't know. It, it didn't make me feel that way. That sense of yeah. dread. I can understand that. I think the green Knight is definitely not for everybody. It is a bit less accessible of a movie, but I think um, that's kind of the a big reason why I loved it so much is that it's like it's not like most mass-produced fantasy movies where it's like let's go big on the action, let's yeah. do all the big set pieces that everyone wants to see. It's it's very uh, methodical, slow. It's very sure of what it wants to be. Um, it was. Uh, I just want to make that clear. It is my top ranked movie. It, it was my favorite movie of the year. Um, I think there's just so many things to love about it. I could talk about it a bit, a bit more, but like I'll let you guys, you know, share your thoughts first. Yeah, I'd love to jump in here. I ended up seeing Green Knight in theaters, um, and I that was very memorable. Like that was a great experience. It's such a unique movie. You know, it's it's unlike anything I've seen before. Um, and there's this one scene I want to talk about like, really briefly. Um, it's, it's like where Dev Patel's character is like at the tree, right? And he like, he like lies mm-hmm. down at, kind of at the base of the tree. Uh, and then the camera like slowly pans around and like the seasons mm-hmm. change. And he like envisions himself like just staying there. And I, I assume like starving to death. Um, yeah. And it like goes all the way around. You see like winter, spring, you know, and it, it eventually like pans back to the tree. And it's just like a skeleton you know, and, and, and like still in his like armor and everything. But um, I don't know what it is about that. That was so just kind of like uncanny. Um, but it was, it's moments like that in this movie where I'm like, I've never seen anything like that before. I, there's no other movie um, this year or in general that kind of invokes that feeling. And I think that when a movie can do that, it's a great movie. Yeah. Yeah, that kind of uh, that kind of stuff has the potential to be like super cheesy. I feel like too, and yeah. just like I think Shrey was saying, um, it takes it's a very untraditional approach to a fairy tale kind of story movie, and it it also like appreciates the ability of an actor to actually perform well rather than just give like a cheesy heroic performance. Like he, you actually follow him through his. Uh, like physical journey, but also his mental journey through like the six days, which I think is really like great. Yeah, I think it doesn't like go overboard on like 
hitting you in the face with like, oh, this is what he's feeling. It's more like you as an audience member, you're intelligent enough to pick up on this. And I think the movie is really good about that. It's like, it respects its audience to make connections without explicitly stating them for you. And then sometimes it's just like, I think one of the things it does is it's very accurate to, uh, you know, medieval poems and stories where like, suddenly there's just a random side quest in the middle of the main quest that has no side quest like it it kind of just appears out of nowhere and then it's just never addressed again like the giant sequence which i know people are like what the fuck is that there for but i i i love that inclusion there so yeah um i think because we don't have a sound category i didn't get to mention this i think the sound design in this movie is fantastic especially when you hear the green knight moving like i think that is just uh, awesome yeah. like the way he creaks and groans you know uh you hear just every sort of like rustle of like the leaves on him or whatever it's yeah yeah uh do we want to move on to pig for sure yeah um who wants to start us off here Well, I think like what really made this movie, and for me, it was, I watched five of the best pictures and for me, this was number three, so right in the middle. But um, what really made it for me was Nicolas Cage's performance. Like, I think he shoulders the concept of the movie, like I was talking about earlier, but he he really carries like 95% of the weight of the movie, um, especially because of how like, different of a role this is for him than all of his other roles and how different of a movie this is for him too as well as compared to all of his other movies uh it throws away a little bit of the cheesiness that comes with his other movies and um just like allows him to give a more homed uh performance kind of similar to the adam sandler and uncut gems so i think like do, pig was a really good movie but I think a lot of the weight falls on Nicolas Cage's shoulders, which is why it's not ranked like crazy top for me. Um, but yeah, overall, I liked it. Um, for me, Pig, Pig was my second favorite. Um, I So I, I'd seen all of them, and I think Pig really, I think along with Nicolas Cage's performance, I think what really hits about Pig is just the surprise, you know, of what it is. Like, I went in knowing next to nothing other than it was a movie about a guy who had his pig taken from him, and he went to, like, go and take it back. And, you know, with that premise, I was like, oh, okay, so this is, like, John Wick, but about a pig and starring Nicolas Cage. I was like, okay, big action movie, you know, I know what to expect. Mm -hmm. And then I think the smartest thing about Pig is the way it kind of uses your expectations against you. Like, I think with that whole John Wick genre of movies, we've kind of been, you know, trained to expect this sort of like violent outburst, you know, and all this action in response to like a situation like this. Like there was that movie, Nobody, that also came out this year that's very John Wick-esque and like he like has something taken from him and so he goes on a crazy violent revenge spree. And this scene, there's like lots of these moments where you're like, oh shit okay this is the moment where Nicolas Cage is about to go full Nicolas Cage and he's about to like beat the shit out of someone he's going to kill someone right now 
and then it just it builds that and it just knocks it knocks all the air out of that situation where like Nicolas Cage will get the shit beat out of him and he won't fight back you know or you know it becomes like a, a dialogue scene and I think the way it kind of weaponizes that expectation is so genius you know because it brings out a very different performance from Nicolas Cage because it's also like Nicolas Cage it's like this is what you expect from him is to be violent and be an action star instead he's giving a very quiet dramatic role yeah no Shrey this movie is like so grounded um and Nick Cage is so grounded and vulnerable in it and it's yeah you're right it's 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 so different from what we've come to expect from a movie about revenge um and it, yeah I, I think that um out of all the maybe the the nominees in this category it's like the weirdest premise or close to it um and i think that that works really well it works to its advantage because you do go in with a sense of like what is this going to be am i going to enjoy this like i know nick cage is not known for roles that are typically you know critically um accessible but I think that he really kills it, and this movie is really great. And I think it's my number three uh, for this year. Yeah, yeah. I think overall, if you take anything away from this, it's like just watch Pig. It, it's awesome, <laughs> and you should see it. You know, I gotta watch Pig. Yeah, get on that, Andrew. Um, all right, next nominee, Dune. Um, you know, I think we've talked a lot about Dune, but I think it wouldn't hurt. There's lots, lots to say about Dune. Uh, Dune, Dune was personally my third favorite um, of the year. I think it was like near perfect. I, I love Denise Noves like whole push towards big concept sci-fi stuff. And I think, like I said, I think he pulled off the impossible in making a very accessible and um, entertaining Dune adaptation. You know. What about you guys? Yeah, I mean, I don't have a lot else to say about Dune, I feel like. Yeah, I mean, I think you guys all had it as your, like, top pick of the year, right? More or less. Yeah, I can, I guess I could just go ahead if you guys are, yeah. you guys are good. Yeah, um, no, yeah, Dune is uh, my favorite movie of the year and my top pick here, obviously. Um, seeing Dune, I saw it a couple times in theaters, was one of my favorite memories of the year, just in general. Um, I had so much fun with this movie, and getting to experience it uh, a few times was excellent. It got better each time. I think that um, I was talking a little bit about The Green Knight and how I had a pretty good response to that. I had a similar kind of feeling with Dune, um, just like wowed completely by this movie. Um, and it's movies like this that I'm like, this is why I want to go to the movie theater and sit down and watch like someone's vision play out because it, I knew almost nothing going in. Um, I had like the faintest outline and I knew it was like a, a really popular sci-fi story, but um, you watch it and you just get completely engrossed in the lore. And for someone that's um, a huge fan of movies like this, it was kind of like a dream come true. Um, so this is, this is like, yeah, by far my favorite movie of the year. And one of my favorite movies, I think in a long time that I've, I've seen in theaters. Yeah. I think one of the things I really like about doing, I'd say is definitely like the amount of atmosphere they created and like how much world building was done outside of the movie to kind of bring into it and be able to have all that context to rely on, I think was really powerful. 
Yeah. Um. Yeah. I, th- I think. Sorry. What are you go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I think so. I think you mentioned actually earlier that it the closest thing to this that Denis has like done is Blade Runner twenty forty nine, and I feel like it's probably the next like closest thing to twenty forty nine since twenty forty nine came out. Um, yep. and I, it, that's why I think it's like so refreshing. It's because twenty forty nine came out a while ago, and ever since then, I feel like for at least for me like movies have been a lot about the whole marvel universe Mm -hmm. um star wars and things like that but to like give this like a little bit more of a discreet uh sci-fi movie or sci-fi story is really important and it's like important to like just keep coming out with new ideas and although this is an adaptation of a book um it's uh, at least from what i've heard it's like one of the closest things to books that a movie can get to so I think um, Tyler was talking a lot about, you know, going and seeing this in theaters a lot. And I think of, out of every movie released this year, I think Dune has the best argument for going to the theater and seeing a movie, you know. 100%. I think this is the movie that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible with like the loudest <laughs> speakers, you know, just mm-hmm. absolutely fucking blowing you away. Cause like I saw this, I think pretty uh, like a couple of days after it came out, I went and saw it in like a Dolby theater and it's the giant, almost IMAX size screen, the speakers booming and shaking your seat. And it's just like, Holy fuck. You know, it's just, it's incredible, you know? And I think another thing is, you know, it gets you excited for what Denise is going to do more with Dune. Cause uh, like, I, I don't think we mentioned this, but it's like build as Dune part one. And they are, they have confirmed that they're working on Dune Part Two um, for next year. But yeah, I think it sets up the world building a lot, and it does a very good job of it. Like Andrew said, um, yeah, it just gets you very excited to see more of this world, which I think is hard to do with high concept sci-fi or like fantasy stuff these days. It's like, do people really want to see more of this world if it's not like connected to Marvel or some other big IP that everyone knows? Yeah, that's a great point. I think that, you know, it it would have been so easy for this to kind of fly under the radar because mm-hmm. I feel like unlike Star Wars or Marvel or something like that, this doesn't have the cultural impact throughout its history. Um obviously among sci-fi fans, it's it's pretty well known yeah. and kind of I mean like the, very this well is received. Kind of like this is what Star Wars is inspired by, you know, like Arrakis exactly. is exactly. Tatooine, but like for sure. No nobody knows that, you know. Right. Right. Unless you're like really into it or you've been a fan for a long time, you'd have no way of knowing. And that's where I kind of was. I just didn't know about it. And I'm so glad that you know we have this movie to kind of kind of show us. Yeah. So yeah. Big ups to Dune. Um the next two nominees, I think I'm the only one that saw them. Um, but it's Drive My Car and Titane. Uh they were my seven and eight. Um, seven for Titane, eight for Drive My Car. Uh, I'll keep it brief on them. I think they're really great. Uh, they're both foreign films. Drive My Car is a uh, Japanese film based off the short story. And then uh, Titan is a French uh, body horror movie. I think. Body horror. Oh, yeah. gosh. The French body horror movies. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Shrey. They're both very different. Um, they've got very unique visions. I think Drive My Car is very impressive and um kind of similar to the green knight what i appreciate is like playing a story tell its thing like take its time 
I think Dry My Car does a really good job of that. It is long, but I think it deserves that. I think Titan is, um, it explores a lot of interesting themes like while being a body horror movie, you know? So I think both of those definitely recommend checking them out, but uh, we'll move on to something everyone has seen, I think, which is West Side Story. So who wants to kick us off there? Yeah, well, I guess I want to know, did everyone else see like the original West Side Story? Yeah. I guess um, I can, uh, well, yeah, this is so the first time I'd, I'd seen any West Side Story, I guess, or adaptation of it. So I don't know. It was kind of like my introduction to the whole thing. And I really enjoyed it a lot. So I, I actually rated it as my top best picture nominee because of that, I think. Partly, it's like, because it's a great story. Um, yeah, I yeah, mean, I, I think uh, a lot of people describe it as like one of Spielberg's masterpieces after it came out. And I was like, there's no way. There's no way that bastard pulled it off. There's no way. <laughs> and then you watch it and it's like, okay, yeah. Yeah, he really did it. You know, I think... Um, you know, it's well known that West Side Story is, is a Romeo and Juliet adaptation. I think mm-hmm. it's one of the few good ones. I think it's really hard to make Romeo and Juliet interesting. And I think West Side Story, at least, is consistently good at doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. What else? What other thoughts do you guys have on West Side Story? I kind of like how they introduced the... Uh... <laughs> was it the jets and the sharks right um Mm -hmm. like a little bit more in this movie rather than the original in the original like it's just kind of like you're thrown in there like hey two groups they hate each other but in this movie i think which one was it that vandalized the thingy the the puerto rican flag it was the jets Jets. right yeah so yeah you're thrown in this movie and like there's a little bit of a backstory to the hatred of the two gangs uh or groups i guess but that that's really nice. Personally, for me, I thought I still think that the original is a little bit better, and that's probably because I'm like that with most movies, anyways. On top of that, I think like for its time, the original was crazy because that came out like '60s, I think early mm-hmm. '60s. Um, so when it comes to like Romeo Juliet musical style kind of story, um, I prefer the original one, but nonetheless, like this. The, this was probably the best you could get when it comes to a reboot, I guess. You know, yeah, what, I, what you're saying about like the timeliness of its release, you know, back then it being super impressive for, you know, all of its technical achievements. I think it's also kind of impressive that this movie was made and released now the way that it was. Like, I don't think you really see big budget studio musicals like this made like yeah. they're not they just aren't on this scale and i think that's also what's really cool is to see something like this being made now with the technology we have because you know you get awesome shots like that one um the the scene where they're all walking into the gym for the school dance where it's all just one giant crane take and it's like it's going through they go out into the room you see everybody dancing the choreography is just crazy you know I think it's it's really cool to see movies like that still being made. And I think like Steven Spielberg and like Martin Scorsese and like auteur directors like that are kind of pushing to make more of these old school movies in new Hollywood, which I think is 
essential. You know what really threw me off though? Yeah. So I'm watching this movie and they walk into the gym and I'm like, why are they walking into a high school gym for a school dance? Because I, I swear, I thought everyone in this movie was supposed to be like 28 because that's what they yeah. look like. So And then so my mom says, they're all in high school. And I'm like, are you kidding me? They're all like killing each other. What is so, this? So some of them aren't high schoolers, obviously. Like um, Maria is 18 and she's yeah. Bernardo's younger sister. And he's like obviously older. Um, it's a community dance being sponsored by the high school and hosted in the high school gym so it's not a high school dance it's a community thing to try and bring puerto ricans and you know new yorkers together that makes a little bit more sense yeah um the one thing i do want to mention about west side story is the only reason i think it's not perfect is because i think tony is just terribly miscast yes i think Uh ansel elgort is not good as tony he is the worst actor in the cast. I, I'm not a huge fan of his singing. I think his performance is also not good. I just think he doesn't, he looks kind of lifeless compared to everyone else. Like everyone else. It's so dry. Yeah. Everyone else is at the top of their game. Like they're giving it their all. Every single performance is interesting except for his, you know. I think even Chino, who has like three scenes maybe. Chino. Chino has three or four scenes and all of them are so good. I think, you know, Tony gets like the stereotypical lines, but he also just doesn't add any spice to them. You know, there's nothing interesting about that, which is the only reason that I think it's not perfect. I think you just get a better actor to play Tony. Like, so I think he's also, he doesn't have that much of a musical background. Like all, all the others do, but he doesn't. It's like, do you cast him just for the name? And then, you know, the name gets fucking tarnished right before the movie comes out. Like that is right just terrible even outside of everything that had gone on like right before yeah um which is obviously uh like awful but i think like the performance is not great like yeah regardless of that it's also just not a good performance and like it is i think the weakest part of the movie which hurts the movie because it's such an important role you know it's, it's yeah. one of the two leads so i i almost felt like his role felt reduced because of how like uninteresting he was like it made everyone else that is more of a supporting character it kind of like they felt like they were more important to the story like bernardo chino uh what's what's the other um the other jet the other co-leader played by oh riff riff yeah Yeah, Yeah, like all of them felt like they were way more important in this movie than tony even though tony's like the male co-lead yeah, totally, totally. It, it it elevated everyone else. I guess that's something positive to come out of it, but it it definitely hurts the movie overall. So, um, yeah, yeah. That's I, I did have it a lot lower than I, I would have liked to have put it, just because of that performance. Yeah. Well, uh, all right. Let's move on to the power of the dog. Um, I think everyone saw that as well. Maybe other than Neil. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, uh, so thoughts on that? I think, Andrew, you had it relatively the highest in your ranking. Um, yeah. I guess. I only saw five, so this would have been the third top, but I thought this was I think was all of us had it right in the middle, actually. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. I 
I think I was a little bit, I'm trying to summarize my thoughts. Maybe I'll just go one thing at a time, I guess. I kind of liked, well, kind of liked, and I was a little bit confused at first, how they like broke it up into parts, mm -hmm. like five different parts, right? Because um, it just made like some of the transitions were maybe a little awkward for me. Like, mm -hmm. I just cut off in the middle of the scene and it was like five going on to yeah. the next part. Um, but yeah, I will say, Benedict Cumberbatch made me feel very uncomfortable. He was very mean, at least in the first half, to like the the boy and the mom. Yeah. Um, which I mean, I think it was intentional. Yeah. It did work. <laughs> I think um a big part of this is like I haven't seen many Jane Campion movies, which I, I need to fix that, you know, before I saw this. And so I'm not very familiar with her style, but I, I like this a lot overall. Like I gave this a four out of five for me, like, yeah. um, but it is like towards the middle of the pack because I just loved a lot of other movies more. But I think this one really is helped by how amazing the performances are. Because I think mm -hmm. Kirsten Dunst and Cody Smith and McPhee are both terrific supporting performances, I think. Benedict Cumberbatch is like fucking terrifying. Like they they yeah. they even outright say like he's just a man, but it's like he feels like a lot more, even though you very clearly can see he's just a dude. You know, he's a smelly, dirty dude. Yeah, like, he's just being a dude too the whole time. He's just yeah. guys being dudes. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, I think it's a career best performance for him, and uh, I think kind. It kind of sucks that, like, you know, he won't get nominated for this because I think, or he won't win for this at the Oscars because I do think he is. This is like his best, he's the best nominated performance. But yeah, I think everything just works really well in this movie. I think on a technical scale, you know, cinematography looks great. The score is really good. I do think the slowness gets to me a bit more in this one than it does in other movies. But again, I yeah. am more okay with that than some people are, but I think that also kind of influences why it's a bit lower. I do think yeah. one thing I want to say is this movie really benefits from rewatches because I think I watched this again and it's really cool watching all the pieces kind of slowly build up because the first mm -hmm. time you watch it, it's like, okay, well, wh where's this all leading? And then like by the end, you're like in the last 15 to 20 minutes, you're like, oh, I think I know what's happening. Like, oh, fuck, this is what's going to happen. And then it all just happens. And I think yeah. the slow building of those pieces, once you're able to see that kind of play out, it's very cool to kind of watch it all build up over the course of the movie. Yeah. To me, it was a little bit of a twist ending, too. It was yeah. surprise. Like, when you kind of figure out what's going on, you're like, wow. yeah, Like, yeah. there's right as a lot more thought going into the movie than you first mm -hmm. realize. Yeah, I think that's what the biggest part of it is. Yeah, you know, like seeing all the pieces come together is really cool. Tyler, you have any more thoughts to add on for this one? Yeah, um, a lot of what you guys have said is is what I was thinking. Uh, Benedict uh, Cumberbatch's cruelty, like to the other characters, mm -hmm. like you were saying in the first half is like, it's a side of him I've never seen before, right? There's no other role that he has where um, you see that side of him which is very impressive. I think the, the cast does a great job overall in this movie too. Um, in terms of um, where I rank it, I think I have it pretty much in the middle uh, as well. 
it's uh it's a very good movie it doesn't it doesn't wow me quite as much as some of my um, upper movies on the list but it still has a goal and it accomplishes it yeah i think it is really cool um all right moving on to spider-man no way home the movie that you know the entire world has probably seen at this point um i think all of us other than neil had it pretty close to the bottom neil had it as his higher up no neil still has no. it pretty close yeah i was i was looking at someone else's i was looking at the guest rankings which by the way yeah. we have been counting guest votes in this but yeah um spider-man no way home i think as a spider-man fan like everybody yeah. loved it and had a great time with it i think this is kind of similar to you know our avengers endgame nomination where it's like more recognition of kind of being able to pull off the what might be imp- considered impossible but like now is slowly becoming more and more common with superhero movies but it's like it's so impressive that they managed to make it work because i think the biggest worry about the spider-man no way home thing was like how are you going to be able to make this an, an emotional impactful story and not just like a we're bringing in all these actors that you know and love yeah just for the sake of bringing them back and i think it did that really well i think it managed to make it make sense and really fit the narrative of the story in, in the mcu and all that so yeah i know we, I like, we probably picked through this movie on our previous episode right sorry we you're yeah. gonna keep yeah, going yeah no good Go ahead. Okay. Well, I'll say I think this movie is like extremely entertaining and enjoyable yeah. to watch. I'm not sure if it's like best picture material. Yeah. But it's like I I would enjoy watching this movie again. I want to keep watching it. I probably mentioned this in the other episode, but I feel like it kind of relies on a little bit of that nostalgia factor mm-hmm. um, to be like a really enjoyable movie um yeah well we have that nostalgia so it works for us yeah it works on us. yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah it's yeah. it was easily the biggest movie of the year just uh maybe not the best in terms of originality or like uh i guess just creativity kind of yeah mm-hmm. i mean i know we talked about this in the episode like i this was like my perfect spider-man movie like i gave this a five out of five but it's also like there uh, this is my 10th ranked in the best picture ballot because it's like yes it's an entertaining time but is it necessarily the best movie no it's it's just a really good time it's entertaining yeah Mm -hmm. yeah it almost feels like there should be a separate category for this type of movie yeah Um, favorite movies we we did we did eliminate the the best blockbuster category this year which i think this would have swept by a mile oh yeah. yeah yeah but i do think you know at least we'll recognize it here, you know. Totally. I don't think we need to share more of our <laughs> thoughts on Spider-Man. Everyone can listen to that episode. Yeah, check out the episode. <laughs> Everyone yeah, watch Spider-Man. Yeah. Uh, all right. I think the next two also I have, I was the only one to see, um, which is Spencer and the Tragedy of Macbeth. Tragedy of Macbeth was my nine. Uh, I think it's very good, but I'm also, I also think I was maybe too dumb to fully understand it and get it all. So, <laughs> you know <laughs> it, it, it is that low for me but like i enjoyed it um but i do want to talk about spencer a little bit um more i think 
Spencer is really cool for a biopic because um, it's not like the traditional, like this is their whole rise and their fall format, you know, that a lot of biopics take, which is like from their birth, what they did, and then there's some fall to their death, you know. This is a very focused singular moment in like Princess Diana's life, um, which allows for a much more interesting performance because, you know, you're kind of allowed to infer your own things about the character from before and what happens after. And it's not like one of those where it's like, after this, Princess Diana did this, this, and this until she died in a car crash in this year or whatever, you know? Mm -hmm. It's really allowed to stand on its own as like kind of an artifact of a person, but also like just a very focused character portrait, which I think is really good. And again, like I said, I think Kristen Stewart uh, is, it's arguably my second favorite performance of the year uh, behind Nicolas Cage. I think everyone that hasn't seen it should watch it and, you know, kind of recognize Kristen Stewart for the great actress that she is. And we've kind of been ignoring for years. Yeah, I think that out of all the movies that I haven't seen, this is like the top of my list. Uh, This is what I want to see the most. So I'm I'm very excited to check it out. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Do we want to kind of talk about these movies in summary before we announce our winner? A bit more? Oh, we just did. uh, I don't think we did. Just like all of them together. Yeah, yeah, I think in, in summary, like, the movies near the top of like our list like as a as a group here i feel like they were pretty hard to distinguish between because even i had some trouble even though like i loved dune i put it and i put it towards the top i still was like oh, okay maybe green knight um mm-hmm. and like someone like shrey's like seen all of them so it seems like for him too they were all pretty close together but i think overall like a pretty solid year for movies yeah, yeah, I think, like Neil said, it, it was really close up at the top where, like, I think if one small thing in Dune changed or if one small thing in West Side Story changed, they'd be perfect movies. And then it'd be, like, even harder for me to pick between my top spot, you know. And I think, arguably, like, even Dune could be placed at the top for Best Picture because of, you know, the weight of that. But yeah, I think it's been a very strong year for movies, like Neil said. Like, there's lots of stuff to love. Um even if there's like stuff that we didn't nominate, there is plenty yeah. of interesting performances, great movies out there. Definitely a very creative year for movies too. Yeah. Things that haven't really been done through before. Yeah. I think, um, you know, uh, it's been a pretty good last few years of movies. Like I think the three years that we've done this, we've there's been really strong nominees and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tyler, what about you? Do you have some more? Yeah. Um, here? I would say that um, in terms of like deciding on my top pick, this was maybe one of the easier years just because I had like a very clear top pick, mm-hmm. which was Dune. But there were so many strong movies, especially the my top three, um, that I could see on different days, people arguing for different uh, different movies. And, and I think... Yeah, I'm, I'm just like really glad that we do this and we sit down and we, we pick these movies because it's so fun to like discuss and see what you guys are mm-hmm. feeling as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, overall just, you know, watch more movies, you know, that come out yeah. this year because like <laughs> I think movie, movie making is kind of coming back into like 
top form. I think we had a rough few years, uh, you know, uh, before like 2019. And I think now we're kind of on the come up where shit is just awesome all the time, you know? But yeah. Uh, with that, without further ado, our best picture winner is Dune directed by Denis Villeneuve. So yeah, congratulations to all of our winners. Um, you know, check out all of our winners, all of our nominees, um, you know, uh, check out some of the Oscar nominees uh, before those air next week. But yeah. You guys have any kind of closing thoughts before we wrap up? I want to say up? it's yeah. been a while, but it's good to talk about movies again, everybody. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's good to see you guys. Yeah. It took a while for us to, you know, watch everything to kind of make this a worthwhile episode to do, but I think we're going to try and get back to doing this a bit more normally with you know, just a less movies to talk about, you know, yeah. Cause we had hopefully, 20 movies on this list. Next up the Batman. Come on, yeah. Neil. Get on it. Yeah. Neil's, Neil's on the it. only holdout I think right now. <laughs> I know. Right? Tyler, yeah. you've seen it, right? I have not seen it. Oh, oh shit. I know. Oh, no guys. And, and the reason was because like I was, I had a crazy week right before Ireland Yeah, and that's when it came out. And I was like, I could go and see it, but I would completely, you know make myself die when i get back yeah. and so and then like i was obviously last week i was gone so i'm trying to see it either like tomorrow or next weekend and i'm going to try and get to that asap yeah for me i had a crazy two weeks with finals and i'm mm-hmm. on spring break officially yeah, starting so Neil, you better just watch every yeah yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm getting on it i'm getting on it within the next three you know, days. you know what i'm just gonna i'm just gonna schedule like our next like two months of episodes and give neil the list of everything oh man give <laughs> me like a timeline yeah yeah use your homework neil yeah <laughs> so hard to not get it spoiled from tiktok but i'm definitely yeah. gonna get to it soon yeah oh yeah sorry i was yeah. telling you this batman TikTok. i think uh yeah i think that's the next episode you can look forward to from us but yeah other than that um again congratulations to all of the nominees congratulations to all the winners um yeah, and uh, we're Double Stuff Cinema. Check us out on, uh, you know, you're listening to us on whatever you're listening to us on. But, uh, you know, rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. I think you can rate stuff on Spotify now, too. So rate us five stars on Spotify, you know, help us get more listeners. And, uh, yeah, this has been Double Stuff Cinema. Thanks for listening. Get stuffed. <laughs>